Super Talk Mississippi media production. And now it's Coast View with Ricky Matthews. Brought to you by AG Chase Systems and Networks on Super Talk 103.1 FM. Welcome to Coast View, the show that every single day celebrates the men and women who are making Coast of Mississippi such a great place to live work and play i hope you're having a great wednesday it's good to good to see you uh, at least you know hopefully you're listening and if you're listening on facebook or youtube we appreciate you being there as well uh, we have a great show today but before i do this i want to share something that my friend stacy waldrop one of the most positive people i know what she posted and uh, it's something that brings back a big memory for me it's from uh, man's search for meaning by victor frankel and as I mentioned before, when I was at Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College and then at Southern Miss, one of my favorite classes was philosophy, studying the great philosophers. And one of the books that we were required to read was A Man's Search for Meaning by, by Victor Frankl, who, was, uh, who had tremendous experiences, unfortunately, in concentration camps uh, during the Holocaust. And uh, one of the things that he wrote was this. Now, we who lived in concentration camps can remember the men who walked through the huts com- comforting others, giving away their last piece of bread. They may have been few in number, but they offer sufficient proof that everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last of the human freedoms, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way. I think that's very powerful, and I think it speaks. I think it. I mean, obviously, it speaks to the fact that we all control our own destinies. We all can make a huge difference if we choose to. And uh, you know, all across coastal Mississippi, we are we're blessed to have so many people who are willing to give back to this community. And uh, you know, one of them is is our next guest. Actually, is Manley Barton, who is. Uh, a representative in the House of Representatives. He represents District 109. He's been on the show before. He's a Vietnam veteran. He's, uh, you know, I've, I've often referred to people like you as a person who has sort of reinvented himself a bunch of different times in his life. But do, when you look back to you, well, first of all, good morning to you, Manly. How are you doing? Good morning. It's, it's good to be here. Doing, doing well this morning. When you look back, uh, do you see yourself having reinvented yourself? A bunch of different times, or do you just see life as an evolution? Well, I, you know, I think uh, evolution is probably not a bad term. I, you know, I've I've made this comment a bunch of different times. You know, everything in my life, uh, and I think maybe even you and I talked about this at one time. Everything I've done in my life, from my time in the army when I was young, and in the years that I spent at, at Chevron. Uh, time as county supervisor and now in the House of Representatives, all of those things and the experiences I had and the people I met and the influences that I had all along the way, including you, I might add, uh, kind of made me who I am today. Uh, you know, I, I think you take away almost any of those things and maybe I'm a little different today than I, than I might would have been. Uh, certainly the influence of my, my own family, my dad in particular, um, I think influenced who I am, and and uh, he gave me some opportunities to do some things that that I think made me a better person, made me more, uh, uh, maybe 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 more human in a sense, uh, in terms of, of looking at others and the work he did, working with alcoholics and drug addicts, and you know people who um, who had issues, you might say that. Uh, 
And, and I think all of that, you know, kind of made me who I am. I mean, it, it made me have some empathy, I think, for for uh, for people and maybe situations that I might not would have had had it not been for those experiences. And certainly the, you know, the governmental experiences. I served on a couple of boards before I was in the supervisor role. And then certainly that role coming to the legislature, I think, helped me really understand the impact that the that, that the state has on county government and county taxpayers and this kind of stuff. Because I, I kind of look at stuff, my first reaction, if it had anything to do with the county, I'm thinking, well, okay, it's, how's it, I'm, I'm assuming usually it's a negative impact. So I, I look at it from that standpoint and say, you know, how is this going to affect uh, my folks back home? And mm -hmm. uh, but, uh, but I think all those things kind of, uh, and all the people I've known along the way, but reinventing myself is, is in, in a sense, is kind of a, a way to look at it, I guess. I never really thought about it that way, but yeah. Well, one of the, I tell you, it's interesting. Um, I had uh, I had a guy on my show. His name is Chuck Cage, and he is uh, he's a master duck hunter. He ducks all duck hunts all over the world. But when he was in his teens, he was severely burned. I mean, I'm talking about very severely burned. Uh, a gas can blew up, and and uh, it was a really significant uh, moment. Almost lost his arm and his leg, and he went on a mission. And one of the thing, one of the missions he went on is to make sure that every day for the rest of his life is one that counts. And he, he talks about putting marbles into this, you know this big uh, jar, and every day, time you take a marble out, you know that's that represents a day, and you just keep each day that passes, you take another marble out. And um, that that kind of caused uh, another friend of me to have a conversation about that, because we we were both reflecting about. As we get older, you know, how do we best make our marks if we really want to? I mean, do we, you know, is it in our nature and it's not to ride off into the sunset? We, you know, obviously, the more we've learned, the more we want to try to give back something, leave some kind of a legacy. And then, um, and then I was having a conversation on Kosu actually in the last few days with our friend Royce Cumbus. And from, for, you know, Royce well, but for people who may have missed the conversation, he's the uh, chairman and CEO of, of Merchants and Marine Bank. But, but Royce said that as he gets older, because I, call, I called him timeless, because when you look at Royce and you look at his history at the bank and how long he's been there, he looks timeless to me. And he says he doesn't feel timeless. But one thing he does feel is the need to be more deliberate the more deliberate you know more deliberate in his intentions because obviously he realizes he's, he's you know i wouldn't say your days are numbered but certainly you know as we get older we have less days left you know to take marbles out of the jar so to speak and it was interesting the way he talked about it about being more deliberate about what he does and and, and more you know a lot more intention uh, regarding every action that he makes you know, you look back in your iterations, and you know, again, maybe you are the sum total. We are all the sum total of our experiences. But do you think too about things in that way that that you you want to make your mark? You want to you you have to go forward with more intention. The legislature is a hard place to do that, frankly, because the wheels of change turn so slowly. But how do you think about that? Well, I, you know, I've I've told people I've had a lot of people through the years ask me especially the last eight or 10 years have asked me which I like the best. Did I like the, the county or the, or the state government? And certainly at the county government, you can vote on Monday and something will happen on Thursday. Well, in legislature, you're right. The, the wheels move much, much slower.
Um, but I think, you know, we have times in, in every session and certainly over a period of a term where you will have uh, uh, issues that come up that you're that you need to vote on that that are almost I would almost call generational type of, of impacts. And so um, and we've certainly had some of those in the last few years. We we I think we may even have one this year that that we're dealing with right now. And and I and I have in the past have thought, you know, to some degree, I'm, I'm older now and I have grandchildren. I actually have three great grandchildren now. And and I think which I probably didn't do this before, but I think, well, you know, two things. How, how is this going to impact my my children and my grandchildren? And 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 then the other part is, is I thought recently is, well, you know, historically, how will my children and grandchildren think about a position I might have taken or, uh, you know, my role in, in, in whatever it was? And, uh, and and I guess I'm much more, I guess, cognitive of of those generations now that I have grandchildren and great grandchildren and, and the impact of things that we do may have on them. Um, but, I, you know, and I think that's just age. And I think that's getting older and reflecting on things we did in our youth, you know, that uh, certainly impacts uh, us today, you know. But yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I think about when I was the publisher of the Sun-Herald, I often said in speeches that when you're doing whatever you do, whatever you do in your life, just just ask yourself, especially in this day of the Internet and social media, et cetera, <laughs> just ask yourself, are you OK with uh, with the headline that would that would result from it tomorrow, whatever it is you're doing? Would you be okay with it being a headline tomorrow in in the paper? And when you look at it that way, it makes you makes you think about it. It makes you think about okay, what am I going to do? As as you said, as we get older, one of the things I often think about is how can I improve life for my grandkids? I worry about my grandkids and this world that we're in today. And you know, how can I make my mark and leave a legacy for them so at least they make proper choices and whatever? And you know, it's interesting. I saw, and we're coming to the end of this segment, but I saw. A tape from uh, from um, a, an actor this morning. I got to. I'll remember who it was, and I'll tell you on the other side of the thing. But he said, "Look at life as a, as a as a movie. Are you are you are you are you uh, proud of uh, of the actor you are in your movie? <laughs> are you are you or do you need to change the characters and that as he puts it, kind of strip off the skin and and and, and become something a different character." So that the ultimate movie of your life is something that you're really proud of. Um, anyway, we'll, we'll pick that up on the other side. When we uh, continue, we'll continue with Representative Manny, Manley Barton from, uh, from Coastal Mississippi. We'll see you after this break. Subscribe for free to the Coast View Podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. His love for the coast is why he's here. It's Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. 
Welcome back to Coast View. We have Manley Barton with us. He's a, he's a uh, representative in the House of Representatives of District 109. And uh, and just an old friend. We've been through a lot of battles together over many, many years. And Manley, you know, the last time you and I talked, you were still gasping for breath. I was. Your COVID experience was not a good one. And first of all, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I, I think I'm, I don't know, percentage-wise, I'm pretty close to normal now. I, I, I told somebody just the other day, I said, the one thing that, uh, uh, that, seems to still be lingering is I, I have some energy issues and that could be a, a combination of getting old and, you know, a number of things, but, uh, I, I playing golf, I've got, I'm starting to play golf again. So that's, uh, that's a good thing. And, uh, but about oh, 14 or 15, I start running out of steam, but, uh, but here again, that could be age, but, but I've had some other people who had similar experiences with COVID saying that fatigue was one of the things that had lasted the longest for them. So I yeah. guess it is, uh, it, it could be still an issue. But I recall, what I recall most about your specific COVID experience was that you had a lingering low oxygen problem that was very, very troubling. And, uh, and it just took a while. I remember actually you had just, I think when the last time we had talked, you sort of gave us an update on what you'd been through, but you had walked out to your mailbox and uh, that was a, that was a big accomplishment. It was, uh, when I initially came home from the hospital, you know, I was in the hospital for several weeks and then came home and then was on oxygen for another couple of months. And, uh, the doctor was like, just, I want you to take a hundred steps a day. Now that doesn't sound like very many. But it was, but I, I was proud of myself when I got 100 steps in a day the first few days. But then I worked that up to, you know, a couple hundred feet. And, and then I remember the, the first time I tried to go to the mailbox, I, I got a little ways down there and decided I'd made a mistake and I went back in the house. But but then I did make it all the way to the mailbox and back. That It was, uh, it was about 300 feet down to the mailbox. So that was a real accomplishment at the time. But, uh, <laughs> I, I, was, I was proud of myself. Hey, so Manley, let's talk a little bit about this legislative session. Um, I have described it in conversations with both the speaker and um, and also with Delbert Hoseman, the Secretary of State. Both have been on the show as one of the most consequential um, uh, legislative sessions in in recent history, probably maybe ever. When you consider over a billion dollars of money, a lot of one time money that needs to be spent in trying to create alignment around that. You've got the issues around uh, the income tax uh, elimination. Of course, the, the House is pushing really hard on that. Uh, the, the lieutenant governor has a slightly different approach that is not, does not include completely eliminating the income tax. He said on my show that it could be a decade before we did something like that. Um, you've, there's just so many objectives currently in this session and uh, and I would say a lot of conflicting objectives with Republican leadership. That's a little bit disappointing because you've got the governor sort of wanting to go do some things and the, the lieutenant governor wanting to do some things and the speaker wanting to do some things. But, you know, that is the democratic process. That's why the wheels of change go slowly. So you can debate these issues. And we're sort of at the stage of the legislature where, you know, bills are getting you know, getting discussed in each of the chambers or getting passed or being passed to the other chamber, you know, we'll get into conference committees and, you know, uh, you know, we'll get into specific issues as it relates to the budget impact and all that. It's a slow process for good reason, isn't it? 
It is. Um, it, it shouldn't be easy to pass things. It, it should be a little difficult. Um, if it's not difficult, we'd end up with a lot of laws that we don't need or we wouldn't want once we got them. But, but there needs to be a very deliberate process where uh, everybody has an opportunity to, to view the, not only the process, but the content of the bill, ask questions. Um, I've, I've never known anyone in my life that, that knew it all. And so, you know, one of the great things about the legislature and even back on my time on the board of supervisors was only five of us. Everybody had a different experience, life experience. And so they they brought uh, expertise to the table that I didn't have. And as we discussed issues in their House of Representatives, the same way, everybody comes with different viewpoints, different experiences, and they have an opportunity to speak on these bills, ask questions about them, and, and frankly, probably bring up things that the author of the bill or the author of the idea didn't think about. And so it is a process that's, uh, uh, that's very deliberate. Um, and, and so it, sometimes it takes, you may have a great idea and it may take you a couple of years to get it worked out and, and, uh, and, and try to fix what people point out to you is maybe not well thought out idea. Maybe they add some things to it, and, but but in the end, you end up if it does get passed, it's probably a better product than it was to begin with. So, uh, so the process works, and so you know we finished up general bills last week. This week we're on appropriations bill. In fact, I left an appropriations meeting that's going on right now downstairs, bringing out uh, uh, what we call the uh, first first pass or the first action on appropriation bills. Uh, we brought all those out this morning. The Senate will be doing the same thing. We mostly, I don't know if everybody knows this, you, you may, but, uh, you know, we kind of divide up all the agencies at state level and so forth. The House brings up some and the Senate brings up some. And then we switch and we send them the House bills. They send us the Senate bills and we continue working on them. And so the Senate will be doing the same thing. We'll take, start taking up this first action on uh, appropriation bills this afternoon. And so, um, so we'll be passing those. All of these bills, uh, you almost could, almost could consider them dummy bills. What they have in them is, is basically uh, uh, bringing forward the same amount of money they had last year, maybe with uh, legislative budget office recommendations. But every bill has a reverse repealer in it, which forces it to go to conference. So, you know, we'll know more in two or three weeks from now, or know better in two or three weeks from now, what our final numbers are going to look like. And we certainly don't want to, uh, you know, finalize number, finalize these uh, agency budgets until we know how much money we really have to work with. So it's, uh, but it's a process. It really is. And so, uh, uh, but it's, but it's a good process. Appropriations. I mean, you're involved in a lot of different committees, a lot of important committees, but the rubber hits the road with the appropriations committee. It doesn't it. That's, that's true. That's where all the money gets spent. Uh, we, we were talking about uh, just a second ago, uh, the preliminary numbers look like our budget this year will be somewhere in the $6.6 billion range. So, uh, but anyway, but it's, it's a lot of money. And, uh, but we have a lot of agencies and we have a lot of needs. Um, we, you know, we're in really the best financial shape maybe the state's ever been in. So that's one of the reasons that I think we're going to, end up with, uh, I think the House and the Senate have different ideas on a teacher pay raise, but, but their bill and our bill both spend about the same amount of money to somewhere 
$210-$220 million. And so even though the details are slightly different, I think the fact that we're in the same ballpark money-wise, I think we'll be able to come up with a compromise at the end of the day uh, that everybody can 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 live with. So, uh, but I, I'm I, I feel pretty confident about that one. On the income tax bill, I think most experts agree that if Mississippi could find a way to do it, where it wasn't displacing the burden to to any specific group. If we could find a way to do it, make Mississippi more competitive from an economic point of view, because we got we're we're competing against other states that do not have an income tax, and um, and in order for us to be truly competitive, we we this very very difficult for us to do, especially when you start thinking about remote work and the new economy and what that entails and attracting people here who want to live in Mississippi, and who are saying, okay, look, the quality of life issues, the cost of living issues, I like where Mississippi is as, as it relates to that, but it's either there or Texas or it's either there or Florida or whatever their, whatever their, whatever their choices are for Mississippi to be competitive. We, you know, it would be great for us not to have the income tax issue, but it's a hard one to communicate. Uh, I've watched the, the speaker on this discussion. He's gotten better in the last two years. Obviously, there are more experts at the table now trying to understand how is this going to work? Is there really going to be economic expansion and that would help us you know, fill the gap and, and so on? I listened to the speaker last week in, in his conversation with, um, with Paul Gallo, and I, I was disappointed to hear that in his efforts to reach out to the lieutenant governor, that the lieutenant governor really didn't want to hear the details yet. He just wanted to present the Senate bill. I hope that at some point there's a true effort by, by both sides to understand the details of their bills. Um, what's your latest thinking on all this? Well, I guess the thing that does concern me uh, where we're sitting right now is that, you know, as opposed to the teacher pay bill, which, where we're kind of in the same ballpark. Details are different, but we're kind of in the same ballpark. Hey, hey man, let's do this. Let's do this, Manly. Let's pick up right. I don't want to have to cut you off. We're coming to the end of this segment. When we come back, we'll pick it up right there, and you can share what your concerns about where we are as it relates to the elimination of the state income tax. This is Manly Barton, a representative from District 109, and we'll be back after this break. Listen live or on demand and watch episodes of Coast View on your laptop, desktop, or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com. And now, it's Coast View with Ricky Matthews, brought to you by AGJ Systems and Networks on Supertalk 103.1 FM. Welcome back to Coast View. We're having a conversation with Manly Barton. Uh, who is represents District 109 in the House of Representatives? He actually took office in 2012, and his current his current uh, term ends on uh, uh, 2024, January the second, 2024. And uh, when we went to break, we we're talking about the elimination of the income tax, and he was about to share his his current concerns. And I didn't want him to get into his thought and then have to cut him off. So we'll pick it up right there, Manley. You want to start from right there? 
Sure. I, you know, as opposed to like the teacher pay, which is a huge thing for our state, I think we're very, very close there on the total amount of money we're going to spend. So even though the details and the bills are a little different, I think that'll be worked out. The concern I have on the income tax is that we're not even in the same universe. I mean, we are so far apart. Um, somebody's got to move in one direction or another a great deal. And so that that negotiation, I think, uh, is going to be difficult. It just is. And so um, I, I, I wouldn't I would not want to predict, <laughs> you know, where that's going to end up. I hope as the session goes along that there will be a, uh, a coming together, try to sit down, work out the details and and work out those things that's best for for the my constituents and every, you know, uh, across the state. Um, and I think it's possible. I, I mean, I think the people that are involved in it, certainly on our end, and I know a good many of the folks on the Senate end also, they're good folks and they, they want to do the right thing. Um, but we, you know, it's just, it's, I'm just, I'm just concerned it's going to be difficult to get there. And I, I have that concern and I think a lot of other people do too. But, uh, well, one thing that the that the speaker said uh, again in this conversation with with Paul Gallo was that he had had opportunities to sit down with the governor. Of course, the governor's publicly said that he's for the elimination of an income tax. I think always the uh, the magic is in the details. Right. But I wonder if the governor will will start to take a, a stronger leadership role in this conversation. Have you heard anything regarding that? Not really. Um, I, he's he is. Well, he's always, like, as you said, he's been a, you know, his only objection has been the increase in the, uh, the and I think it's a minor increase, uh, the sales tax. Um, and so, but, and I don't want to, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but he seems to be less against that today than he was a couple of months ago. I think he's yeah. warming, warming up to it. I, I have not had a conversation with him about it, so I can't, I cannot really say well, what, that. What, okay. So look, here's the thing. Um, what I will say is that one thing the governor has going for himself is the fact that he comes from a banking background and is a numbers guy. And I, I think in the case of, of the elimination of the, of the income tax, having a numbers guy at the table who can rationalize all the various gyrations that are going to have to happen in order to eliminate the income tax, having a governor who has that skill set could be a really good thing. I think people yeah. really need um, not just leadership, but analytical leadership in this moment in the right. way that the speakers tried to provide that with bringing all these experts to the table, both from universities and think tanks. And uh, I mean, this, this, look, you know, this, this thing has been analyzed every which way, but loose, hasn't it? <laughs> it absolutely has. And, and, you know, I think what a lot of people maybe don't know in terms you, when you get down into the weeds and the details, uh, now, there's a big number to begin with that will be cut, uh, but but the the total elimination will only take place after eight or ten years or whatever it's going to be based on growth triggers uh, in the economy. If, if the economy grows by a certain amount, then we'll take part of that growth and, and eliminate a little more of the income tax. So so there's some triggers in there to, to keep us hopefully from getting in trouble that we'll continue having enough revenue to do the things we need to do. Uh, but then take advantage of the growth as it happens, and and we're predict we're projected to have a good bit of growth over the next few years. So, um, 
So I think it's 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 certainly I think it's doable, um, and I think it's something that uh, the, the taxpayers of the state would certainly it would uh, would uh, appreciate. I I will say one thing. I I've, I've talked with a few of my constituents about it over the last few weekends when I was home, and they they seem to be more excited about the car tag being cut in half than they than they have about the income tax. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, so anyway, if you bought a new car, especially a new car recently, car tags are getting terribly expensive because they're, you know, they're 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 evaluated the same way that your house is. It's an ad valorem tax, and so uh, the the more expensive vehicle you buy, the the more the the more the tax going to cost. You know, if you get a a new pickup truck these days, it may cost you twelve thirteen hundred dollars for a tag. So uh, half of that is five or six hundred dollars. Well, that that in addition to the elimination of the state income tax, that's right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that yeah. could have a pretty significant impact on the on the yes. typical family. What I liked about what you mentioned about the triggers, I call them safeguards. That certain things have to happen from an economic growth point of view. In other words, a big portion of the elimination of the income tax involves that uh, you know by doing so, there's going to be a growth in economic. Uh, in the overall economic uh, picture of Mississippi, which means more revenue, et cetera. And in order for certain things to continue to fall into place regarding that, those those triggers or safeguards have to be reached or or that next step doesn't happen. I think that's a really kind of practical approach to to uh, implementing this, don't you? I do. and And without it, I'm not sure that we would have, I don't know that without it, that that the speaker would be able to get the support he's gotten. Uh, Because if, I mean, we, you know, I think Kansas got themselves in trouble a few years ago by not having triggers and not, they did a lot of stuff all at once. And a few years later, they found themselves in a hole. And, And we, and we certainly didn't want that to happen. And so as we've had discussions over really over the last 18 months, about this, this you know the, the the growth triggers and all. We we did that when we eliminated three percent a few years ago. Yeah. So so it's so it's a discussion we've had in the past, and certainly we felt like it was important here. Well, I know that in other states, um, you know, there are a lot of examples. I, I remember the time I spent in Louisiana. Jindal had had uh, taken some some made some moves to reduce. Uh, 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 you know, the overall tax collections that happened in the state, and he did it in like one fell swoop, and those, it got the state in some pretty serious financial trouble. <laughs> in fact, at one right. point, the state was over a billion dollars in debt, and it was a big, big deal that they had to kind of dig themselves out of. We don't want to find ourselves. I mean, Mississippi financially, just financially speaking, you're on the Appropriations Committee in the House. Um it's amazing to think that we had a pandemic and that Mississippi performs performed so well, isn't it? Well, it is. And in fact, I remember uh, going into the session, I guess the 2020 session when the pandemic hit, you know, in March of that year, first of March, you know, we were set to have some $150, 200000000 million in our budget contingency fund that we were going to be able to do some things with. The pandemic hit, we went home I don't know, third week in March or something like that. And by April the 1st, uh, we had nothing in the budget contingency fund. That $150 million went away filling holes, you know. And uh, sales tax revenue went way down because people weren't buying anything, people weren't going anywhere. And so, you know, it wasn't until later that year things started coming back. 
And when they did start coming back, they came back with a vengeance. I mean, it was amazing sales tax revenue. I think a lot of people stayed home. They were ordering stuff on the internet. I don't know what it was, but, but sales tax revenue went through the roof and, uh, and, and I'm not sure anybody anticipated that. And it did. And, and it really hasn't, hadn't really stopped. I mean, the economy has just continued to grow. And so, uh, but we did go through about a four five, six month period in there when things did not look good, but, uh, but it really turned around. It really did. Listen, uh, one one bill that I've followed very closely is the Outdoor Stewardship Trust Fund, something I have felt very strongly about, that Mississippi needs a dedicated funding source so that they can get federal matching funds. Other states have them. In fact, in the southeast, Louisiana and Mississippi, the only two states that don't have it, Louisiana will soon have one based on what I'm hearing coming out of Louisiana. Mississippi may be last again on this deal, but if you look at across the Southeast, um, and I had a great conversation with Alex Littlejohn from the Nature Conservancy in the past week or so, he said that on average, uh, the the, uh, the states that have dedicated funding sources are getting about $6 million a year on average in federal matching funds. Mississippi's getting about 300000 because right. we don't have a dedicated funding source. It passed last year 117 to 2. It passed this year 117 to 4. And it's going over to the to the Senate. Last year it was triple referred in the Senate, which is the same thing as trying to kill it. What what came out of the Senate was a stripped down version that took out private land, took out non governmental entities, and didn't have a dedicated funding source. This year, though, I'm hearing some good good stuff coming out of the Senate that maybe there's some work going on behind the scenes to maybe bridge the gap in these really critical showstoppers. But I'm really proud of the House for doing this, Manley. Well, you know, this is. This is a, in my opinion, I don't want to get myself in trouble here, but this is this is one of those things where we we just sometimes we cannot do the right thing. We just we can't help ourselves. It's it's we get in a situation where we don't want to spend the money, uh, but this is a situation where where if we spend the money, then you, you you get the federal matches, and we can do all of these things that we need to do. Um, and and how to say it's it's had it's had broad support in the house, and uh, and we're just hoping this year the Senate will. will Why don't we do this, Manley? I'll let you finish your thought on that when we come back on the other side. But Manley was giving his feedback on the stewardship, uh, the outdoor stewardship trust fund that's that's uh, passed the house and is now over the Senate, and we'll see how this all plays out. We'll be back after this break. Talking to the people that help make the coast such a unique place to live. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast. Uh, when we went to break, we were chatting a bit about the House moving again to pass what is going to be a transformative uh, conservation effort for the state that will enable the state to create a dedicated funding source that we can get federal matching funds. And there's a there's a there big time federal matching funds but seven out of every eight dollars available on the federal on the federal level is in the farm bill which is almost well it is 100 percent private land so if you exclude private lands from the conversation then we don't have access to the federal 
to money as it relates to the farm bill, which is where most of the money is. So we, we, we just need to get this done. Mississippi should be leading. I've often said manly on my outdoor show that Mississippi is the capital of the outdoors in the U S and I believe that there, you may find certain segments of outdoors that are better in other States, but when you add it all together, Turkey, deer, duck, red fishing, offshore fishing, speckle trout fishing, whatever it might be. The Mississippi, when you bring the collection of those things together, it's the best. You think about canoeing on our rivers and lakes and uh, bird watching and photography and all the things that people enjoy doing in the outdoors here. We are the capital of the outdoors in the U.S., and we shouldn't be having a debate about whether we need to create a trust fund that only maxes out at $15 million a year. I mean, that's a rounding era. I mean, we should do this, and I don't know why we have such a deep debate about it. Well, I just hope that we're not last again. You know, uh, everybody else has seen the benefit of this. Every other state has seen the benefits, and they're reaping the benefits today. Um, and and we've just kind of sat back and and for various reasons uh, have just not been able to pull this off. And and. As, as you said earlier, we the House passed it almost unanimous last year, almost unanimous again this year, uh, and and we just can't seem to get there from here. And and hope I hope the Senate will take it up and and pass it in a way that will allow us to to match those funds and draw down those federal dollars. Because we, as you said, I mean we have a tremendous uh, outdoor uh, heritage here uh, with hunting and fishing in particular. We're as diverse as anybody in the country. And uh, and so I, you know, this would this would help all of our fishermen, hunters, everybody would be, even the environmentalists, everybody would benefit from this in many, many, many ways. There is no question about it. Hey, let's sh- shift gears in a short time we have left together, Manly. What other things are on your mind? What are some priorities that you're thinking about uh, besides what we've already talked about? Well, I, I I would I thought I would at least mention the fact that we did pass the the uh, voter initiative. Uh, uh, resolution this past week. It's, it's actually not a House bill. It's, it's actually a resolution. Uh, and we passed that out. Uh, it will now go to the Senate and, and hopefully the Senate will pass theirs and, and we'll create a new ballot initiative process to give, the, give our uh, voters out there the opportunity to, uh, as they did, as they could have before, uh, you know, put something on the ballot for for uh, people to vote on if if they want to do that. Um, so uh, they uh, we had a group in the house that really worked all summer to to get up uh, with a I won't say a compromise is not the right word, but work together with a lot of different ideas about what what it should look like. And and I think they brought us a good good bill. Well, I think obviously the medical marijuana issue brought everything to the forefront as it related to the the legislature's need to fix the referendum process. And um, I think what's coming out of that, you think what will come out of this is is one that leads to legislation, but not but not constitutional amendments. Yes, that's the draft or not the draft bill we passed uh, sets up a process. And and I guess the the short version of or the short explanation is is that once it if it passed it would put this in statute as opposed to changing the constitution. But then there's some safeguards in there that the uh, uh, the House or the Senate could not uh, modify it, change it, tweak it, do anything to it for several years after its implementation. So 
Um, but it would give you the ability to go back and tweak something if it needed to be tweaked or if you felt it needed to be modified a little bit. Uh, the, the legislature would be able to do that long term, but not on a short term basis. Yeah. Yeah. I, I talked to, to Philip and with Delbert about that. That uh, it only makes sense, for, to be honest with you, because making constitutional changes, you know, that's they're hard to once you get that built in, it's hard to change that legislation is one you, you you know this you've been in legislature for a while you you don't ever get it right the first time with legislation you always want to go have the ability to go back and tweak it and, yeah. and make make appropriate changes to it you might be a sign of the times it might just be an improvement it might be new technology there might be a hundred reasons why it needs to be up, updated right right well yes and and i've you know i've had people say well but if the legislature can change it then they'll change it well it's it's as we talked about earlier, that process is difficult. I mean, just because you've got a good idea doesn't mean that uh, that the legislature is going to go along with you. And, uh, you know, you've got to go through the process of getting your your idea out of a committee, out of the out of the House. And then you've got to go through a Senate committee and out of the out of the Senate. So it's so to make any changes, uh, it's got to go through that same process. So yeah, it, it would. I, I think. I think this is a good deal. I, I I agree with you. The problem, as you said, with the constitutional change, is that even if you see that you have made a bad mistake, you've got to go through the whole initiative process. Or the legislature can do a constitutional amendment, but it's got to be on the ballot. People got to vote on it again. So it's a long-term process to even get make any kind of change. Well, look, Manley, it's been great to catch up with you, and uh, we'll, we'll we'll not wait so long before we get back with you again. But appreciate your leadership up there in Jackson. Uh, safe travels home when you when you head back home, and uh, it's been it's been a pleasure, my friend. It's been a pleasure for me too. I enjoyed it. Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Super Talk MS Coast 103.1. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.